Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Anna Jurez, who is the president and uh, Canadian operations for CTA Environmental Consultants, um, who are an established environmental consultancy group uh, developing best-in-class professionals, uh, delivering a suite of long-term environmental solutions tailored to mining clients' uh, requirements. Uh, Anna is also the founder and executive director of Women in Mining Central America, um, and is also an author, author, recently writing and releasing a book, Anna's Adventures in the Mine, uh, which I did buy a copy uh, end of last year. Um, she was also honoured to be um, uh, included among the top 100 most in, uh, inspirational women in mining globally. Um, and so there's a few accolades there, and we're going to talk a little bit more about her work, um, about her book, um, and also the importance of education within our industry. Um, so no further ado, let's welcome Anna to the podcast. How are you doing, Anna? Thank you, Rob. I'm super happy to be joining you at this podcast. I've been seeing this podcast for quite a while, I must say, so I'm really honoured to be here finally. <laughs> right, so you're an act- active listener, so... Um, as you know, obviously, how we start these podcasts, it's it's all it's also it's always good to find out a little bit more about the guests, about their background. Obviously, I'm in recruitment, so um, obviously this is a people business, and so I just wonder if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your career, and uh, from maybe from when you graduated to sort of present day. Sure. So I was born in Guatemala. Um, but I went to study university in Germany. I studied in, environmental sciences in Germany. And then I did a master's degree in the UK of environmental water management. And after I finished my studies, I returned back to Guatemala to, to work. Um, I work in a family business. And um, well, for being able to work at the family business, the, one of the ideas was that I had to have prior experience somewhere else to be an employee. So I worked in the UK, I worked in Germany and like two and a half years or three years before I joined my family's business. Um, My family, because we're from Guatemala, that's where our business started, but it has grown quite a lot. Um, We have our offices in Mexico, we work all Central America, we work as well as all South America, we have an office in Chile and and I'm based here in our Canadian offices now. Uh, Since six years ago, I moved here. And but we have been working now in South Africa and like in Africa and in Asia and a bit in the Middle East and in Europe. And of course, our main ground is the Americas. So that is where we have been working and growing. And I've been enjoying the last years here in Canada. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, obviously, you, you studied in Germany. Was there was there a reason why you studied in Germany? Yeah. So my dad. Um, he got a scholarship in Guatemala from the German government to do his, ma- uh, his, to do his PhD in Germany. So when I was two years old, we moved with my family to Germany. 
um, to do his PhD. We stayed there for around six or seven years because he did his PhD and then a postdoc as well. Um, so my German is really, in fact, my first language because I was grow I grew up in Germany. So sometimes I feel more German than I feel Guatemalan just because <laughs> my friends, most of my friends are German. Um, still here, I do feel like I do see Latinos and we click, but then I also see Germans and I click quite quick as well. Um, just because, you know, my, my brother is married with a German, his kids are German and my sister too. So I think I did move um, uh, quite a lot to that side of the world as well, by heart as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's interesting studying in, 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 in Germany. Again, it's a, I suppose it's a, a country that's probably less known for mining, although I know there is a little bit of mining because I have done a podcast Although I, I I can't remember exactly when, but I know it was quite a few years ago. There is a there is a mine in Germany, um, and there's probably a lot like I suppose Europe, where there is the mining industries throughout Europe is slowly sort of I suppose um, developing uh, more so, and you're hearing a little bit more about uh, mining in Europe. Yeah, I haven't heard much of mining when we went there. Was because of the environmental side. I think Germany is known for, you know, when it's done in Germany, it's, you know, it's well done. And I think they're really strong on the environmental side as well. So my dad and me both studied environmental studies. Um, so I think that brought us to that side of the world. It has been interesting, though, to see a lot of geologists that are uh, from Germany being all over. So I've had uh, people that I've met in, in Honduras that were Germans that are, you know, geologists. Uh, they have also a lot of mineralogists that study in Germany. So I've seen uh, yeah, different types of um, scientists in parts of the industry. I had, Like you say, we don't hear maybe much of, mine, of the mining industry, but I know and I saw recently a post from someone that I follow that is based in Germany that they had a mining convention or some sort in Germany, I think in Frankfurt or something somewhere in there. Um, so definitely interesting to see that there's some movement of, on the, of the mining industry also as well in Germany. Um, so I just wonder, before we go into a few more questions, I just wonder if you can just tell us a little bit about uh, CTA Environmental Consultants and the type of work that you do. Yeah. Um, so like you mentioned, um, we are an environmental consulting company uh, specialized really in providing comprehensive solutions for the mining and the energy sector as well. Um, we, my, well, my parents started the company 24 years ago, so we have been for 24 years already in business, and we have really a big group of, of a team, a team uh, with different specialities, not just environmental, but also biologists, geologists, the social side, um, so a bit of everything that has to be done to be able to do environmental impact assessments, environmental monitoring, doing audit things. We have been doing a lot of audit things recently as well for compliance, but also for, uh, for example, um, international um, environmental standards like um, mining standards as well, like the cyanide code. Irma, I think that I think has grown quite a lot. We have been part of the Irma auditing team, um, TSM. You know, all this standard that have grown on the environmental side, specifically for mining industry, we have been part of that growth and we have been supporting our, our clients as well with that. Um, and yeah, so we have been working with the industry since, um, since almost since our, we started off in Guatemala. And since, two, I think our first mining client was 
the first or second year after we started the company. So we have been working with the industry for more than 22 years or 23 years. Um, just wanted me to tell us a little bit about the Mineralogical Club um, and how the idea um, for the book Anna's Ventures in the Mind sort of came about. Yeah, so, um, so first maybe I wanted to, so when, when I did the, the Kids Mineralogist Club, it came really from the work that I was doing at Women in Mining Central America. I, I, we're turning three years this year of Women in Mining Central America. So we're still in the baby phase. We have been still growing quite a lot, but still in the baby phase. But one of the first initiatives that I started with Women in Mining Central America was the Kids Mineralogist Club. And I think because we have three pillars, we have one pillar of education, one pillar of advocacy and the pillar of gen, uh, women in mining. And it is because of that, because we, we, cannot, we have had a lot of anti-mining movements in Central America and the Caribbean region. And we cannot be a women in mining organization if we don't have mining. So one of the things we need to do is really change the perception people have uh, had about the industry. And the best way to start, I thought, uh, initially, but also because I think I have a boy and I thought, you know, I saw him here interacting and learning so much about mining that I thought it would be a great place to start. So we started with kids. Um, kids is really interesting because they're not biased. They, um, they come, like, I don't know what kid doesn't go around picking up little stones. So they all collect stones in one way or another or are super interested immediately about it when you talk about it to them. And then they're really great promoters. If you talk with one kid, how they can, you know, like share that information that you shared with them with so many others. We did once and asked the kids to, to send us a picture of how they could share, um, no, that they want, we wanted them to share to, you know, family or other friends about what they were learning in, in the mineralogist club. And I remember them sitting, sending pictures of their entire family sitting in their living room and them teaching them about what they had learned. So, you know, you touch one one kid and you touch an entire family, you can touch really an entire community with that. So I really feel that there is a multiplying factor in really educating a kid. Uh, plus, you know, they're the future too. So you're educating and transforming their life since the beginning um, and really opening their mind to think okay mining is an option or you know I want to go into stem sciences because I really like mineralogy or I like you know biology or whatever we because we touch so many subjects not just really mining um but yeah that's how it's really started and that is how the idea of the book came along as well because um when when we were work we work with our kids in Spanish most of the time um, we, it has grown, the club has grown a lot. It was thought for really Central America and the Caribbean, but we saw that there was really a much bigger need for what we were doing. So we started working in, like last year we were in Ecuador, we were in Chile, we were, you know, uh, so in so many other countries. Um, so we saw that we needed to grow this a lot. But when we started, we started in Spanish. And one of the things that we saw is that there was really not much information for the kids to keep learning by themselves about minerals and mining. So we did, you know, on um, an online um, place that they could go and find that's called Biblioteca Virtual, like a virtual library that they could go to and find information. We were like taking from wherever we were finding information that they could keep reading and keep understanding about the industry. But one of the things I thought of was like, 
would be really cool if we would have a book as well. And then that's how the idea of Anna's Adventures came really to life. And I put all the really the the pillars that we work in women and mining into that book. We put education because it's an education book as well, but it's really an adventure book. It's an adventure of Anna with her friends. So it's like a Harry Potter book kind of, but it's about mining. So it's an, but so it has an education piece there. And it's an advocacy book because it's definitely as well for, you know, to kids seeing that there is mining in the industry. So we talk about the subject. And then the gender part, the women in mining pieces, because all the women that are part of the book and even men, my son is in that book as well, um, are real women, you know? So we want the female role models for the girls as well. And to see that, you know, we can grow and be part of the industry. So we put all those pieces in that book and it's part of what made Anna's adventure, I think have also a lot of, um, you know, positive reviews. Mm. I was going to ask, what kind of reviews have you got? I know my children have started the book, but I haven't finished. Now's the time for me to uh, make sure they're, they're going to finish the book very soon. So I'll be able to give you some uh, uh, a, a review. But what reviews have you had from people and, and, and maybe people's children that have read the book? So it's been interesting because um, I think I've had a lot of different reviews from different people. I had reviews from mothers, for example, that have shared with their kids. And the mothers say, um, and I have had this from all over the world, um, mothers that say, like, now I can share with my kids and they can can start of understanding what really mining is about and what I do when I leave. So I think that was really awesome to see. I had other comments, for example, and I had um, quite a lot of book purchases as well from the mining companies themselves and seeing as a tool to engage and communicate with the communities and specifically with schools. Um, so I thought that was also really nice to see. Um, and it has been... The book is right now in Spanish, English, um, uh, Portuguese, and Arabic, and so hopefully soon also in in French. So we have had people really from all over purchasing it, and not just in bulk purchasing it, because they wanted to give it out for their sons of their employees that would be the other ones that bought quite a lot. Um, so I think it was definitely a lot of great reviews to see it as a tool for educating, but also inspiring, because it does have... The, the book is called Anna's Adventure at the Mind. The first book is called um, uh, The Secret of La Esperanza. And La Esperanza in Spanish means hope. So it was also kind of an empowerment book for girls, right? Like you can do whatever you dream you can do. Um, so I think we had a lot of, and people really got that. So I really love that as well, that people like really understood what was behind that title. Um, so I think I have had got quite a lot of great reviews um, from different places around the world, um, seeing the potential it has. And even people that are not in the industry, just people that, you know, are from, um, I think there's so many other industries that are similar to to, to mining that have, um, have problems with uh, talent retention or attracting new talent or, you know, getting more women into the, in their industries. So we have, I had a bulk of, um, a book purchase as well from a company in Honduras that wanted to, they're from the uh, food industry. And, and they thought, you know, we need more engineers and this is something great. So we're struggling with this too. So this would be great for us to communicate with younger audience as well. So I really loved how people really felt that was for them in different parts of the world and for different um, industries even, right? 
Yeah, and certainly we, as a recruiter, I know we need other people from other industries to come and join our industry because there is obviously a, a big skill shortage. Um, with the with obviously with the book, it, it has an educational focus, and I like to think this podcast is also ha- has an educational uh, focus to the guests that I interview. Um, what is the importance of mining education from your perspective, um, and how can it be a how can it have a positive impact on our industry? Um, I think um, it is super important that we educate the the people, um, and I think one of the important things is that we always and I think it's one been a, one of the mistakes we have done in the industry as well that we have been not been proactive on in education and advocating for the sector, but just reactive. Everything we have done has been reactive. You know, when we have a crisis, that's when we do and implement or do something instead of really thinking it through and prepare everything beforehand. I think a lot of would have changed. For example, if what I don't know what you've been following, what has been happening in Panama with First Quantum, if there would have been a bit more um, proactive, proactive measures and, you know, educating um, on, you know, on a more, um, not just one group of stakeholders, but many other groups. I think we just think sometimes when we are working uh, with the communities of maybe the leaders or certain groups, but I think we have to be tons wider than that and more in a project that was so big, you know? Um, so I think the part of education is really a key. Uh, and the other key is really deciding who the stakeholders are and really not leaving a lot of the stakeholders holders out one of the big parts that we have seen in women in mind that we need to work on we have not started yet but are mapped out is for example the government um our governments are not are not aware of um of of the industry because we have not been we are not countries that have had a lot of history in mining so i think we need to educate them and support them and bring them to our like into our into our minds or to our projects and, you know, be more conscious of, of what we are transmitting all the time uh, to them um, and to other stakeholders as well. So I think there's quite a lot that needs to be done, um, but I think it's important really for addressing misconceptions. I think that's, I think one of the other big parts because the anti-mining movements have been doing a great job of educating, but educating on false information. Um, and really on misconceptions. So I think we really need to work that back and really put right information uh, to the people. Um, and really that also promotes transparency and accountability as well to the to the industries, right? Um, so I think one of the, that, that, the actions that can, could be done could be um, education and outreach, like the one we have been doing with the Kids Club. Um, Open days can be another one. I've seen several minds implementing that, uh, inviting um, universities, any kind of student that wants to come and see, they were inviting them in. Um, engineers, like even if sometimes they feel it's not really mining careers, they were still coming in. And I've been, I think that has been great to see. Um, but also, for example, ed- educational programs at schools, and that's where maybe the Kids the Mineralogist Club is, it plays an important role. Um, public campaigns. I've seen great work here, for for example, by the Mining Association of Canada in Ottawa, 
I saw and they have been sending pictures around as well of all the work they did in Ottawa for in public uh, in, informing about the importance of the industry. Um, so where is where are our mines and metals in our daily lives? So I think they have done, for example, that's a great example of public campaigns um, that we could use around the really around the world. And and then um, I think the other important part is um, and I think I've seen this a bit more recently, but use of social media and modern technologies. I think last time I was in a conference in Minds and Money in the UK, and one of the students stood up and said, yeah, I don't like, we are in TikTok and I don't see no mining industry doing nothing in TikTok. And I think that's right. I think we don't think about that part. We think very professional, like, you know, just link it in. But I think if we want to reach a wider audience, we have to think about X, we have to think about TikTok, we have to think about, you know, other ways of um, promoting and visibilizing the industry. Uh, like my son, he looks short in YouTube because um, he's not allowed to have TikTok, but, you know, so you have to really think of find ways to promote and get to the information to the right people. Um, and also in a very visual way. Uh, and technical, but at the same time, in fact, based, but at the same time, easy for people that are not from the industry to understand, because I think that's the other important part. Um, and then, of course, for example, um, partnerships and collaborations. I think that is another important piece. Um, there are so many organizations like Women in Mining around the world that companies can get, um, get together and uh, cooperate or partner with. But then if you think as well of um, universities or or schools, I, I mean, universities, the best, maybe the first best ally, uh, immediate ally, because thinking of uh, people, um, that's a great place to recruit. So if people are well informed about the industry and well educated about the industry, there's more chance that they might even enter the industry and think of joining, right? Um, but at the same time as well, you can, for example, in our countries, we don't have a lot of careers for, uh, of mining. So I think it might be a great chance as well to start and promote maybe that there is a start of that, of, um, I don't know, mining engineering that we don't have, for example, right? Um, so I think there's a lot that you can do as well, also with collaborations with NGOs. Um, sometimes these NGOs in our side of the world, and maybe in Central America and the Caribbean, they're sometimes a bit extreme and almost on the <laughs> on the the link wall, like you know that they shouldn't do kind of things, uh, certain things. Um, but um, I think there's some others that might be definitely worth to approach and have a conversation with. So I think there's a lot that needs to be done in educating a lot of different groups. Yeah, and obviously going back to social media, um, especially the younger generation. If we're looking to get younger generation into our industry. Some of those platforms like TikTok, and I'm sure that we did try TikTok to try and advertise this podcast. And I don't, I'm not sure whether we got too much interaction. I know we we're on Instagram, Facebook again with us. We didn't get, we don't get too much interaction to tell the truth. So we've actually just recently dropped uh, Facebook, and we've been on there for at least a few years. It seems that a lot of, especially with the mining industry, it seems a lot mainly through LinkedIn. Um, so maybe we do need to look at the mining industry and social media slightly different um, on some of these other platforms. But I know we we have tried 
Um, but yeah, we didn't seem to get too much traction and it didn't necessarily seem whether we should carry on, carry on if it doesn't seem to be working. I think it depends a bit on the type of information put out. I think LinkedIn is great if you want to bring information of the people that you recruit to the attention of the mining companies. I think that is awesome. But then if you're trying to get new talent that is not in the, of the industry, and then if you're thinking really about younger generations as well, I think um, the way that we, because if I see my son, it's very visual, right? They're very visual kids. And I think we have, that is the type of information that we have to put in, that there's visual and that's short, but it's very informative at the same time. Um, so I think that how you, how you approach different media and the different groups that you want to target, I think has to be different as well. I don't think all, every, um, every advertisement will work or every, let's say video or whatever we're trying to do is going to work in all the platforms, right? Um, so I think that is kind of, I mean, it requires a lot of work, right? That is part of uh, the science of trying to outreach and educate. Um, but I think that makes it interesting. And that's why one of the things of the book made it interesting too, because it's a book. A lot of kids nowadays, you know, are maybe want to see a video or a movie instead, but a lot of parents still want to buy a kid a book. So I think it made it really interesting. We did put in into the book and we're still working on that, an application. So it's going to be a, um, you know, that kind of, they have to grab their phone and um, scan the code and it opens like a 3D kind of thing. So we're working on that right now because I know that the kids want to interact as well. So we're, we're working on that. So the kids will be able to learn through an app um, and more in an interactive way with virtual reality. I think that's the word, virtual reality. Um, so we're trying to put that in as well. Uh, so, you know, you have to try to find new ways to <laughs> educate and make it interesting for kids to want to engage. Yeah. And obviously talking, carrying on from uh, the younger generation and education, um, I was only having discussions a day, funny enough, and it seems... It seems, obviously, our schooling system, uh, especially in the UK, probably a lot of schooling systems around the world, they don't teach them anything about mining. They don't teach them anything about geology. Is there a reason for that, I wonder? Um, and if there, if there isn't, why can't they introduce even a small section into the curriculum um, when they're like at secondary school where at least I can have some exposure to understand what mining is because obviously mining is needed for, for us to, to grow as uh, for, for us to grow, for us to, to, to develop all the computers, phones, all the technology requires um, mining yet. None of the young children or not even just young children, but even adults don't understand the importance of mining. And I just wondered if you'd come across um, obviously, in, in writing the book, where maybe some schools do teach a little bit about mining or geology, and if not, what? How else? Obviously, you've 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 got a book that can be given to a child, but if we want the the industry of mining to be sort of more known across the world, then surely it needs to be introduced into the schooling system. Um, and I just yeah. wonder why it it hasn't yet. 
No, I, um, for sure. I, I mean, I'm in the same boat as you, Central America and the Caribbean. I was like, I was raised very, very young in Germany, but then I grew up in Guatemala and my school years were really in Guatemala. And I didn't receive any, like, I didn't hear about mining till I was working. Uh, when we had to do, you know, our first project for a mining company, that's when I heard about mining. But we're not really before, and I never thought about, oh, where does this come from, or where does that come from? Never. Um, so I definitely understand that. When I came to Canada, though, I felt it super interesting, and I know that the that the mining associations here in Canada did a lot of work to introduce a curriculum, a mining curriculum, not a mining, uh, like science-based curriculum so the kids would understand more about geological sciences and what what they have in Canada and what makes Canada like wealthy as well from their natural resources and one of them is mining so my son when he was here in third and fourth grade I think it was they do have a big piece that they teach them about the about um, you know what do we mine in Canada what where is I don't know put uh, phosphate or I don't know what they have like the different things that they have in in about mining here in Canada, um, so was super interesting to see that, and but I understand that it was really, um, yeah, was a real effort from the mining industry and from many mining associations to put that part of the curriculum. Um, so I think it's definitely great, uh, to have that, and I think it's a great example of things that we need to promote in our countries as well. Um, I know that it will, because I, if I think I didn't even study properly soil sciences either, and I think that's such a important subject. It's like, what is earth made of, you know, what is under our feet? We don't know none of that. Um, so I think there's, um, and that is really sciences. It's hundred percent science. And I think that is part of the idea of, of the mineralogist club as well, bringing more sciences and STEM activities to the schools. So we do have a program specifically for schools as well that we work with. Um, and that is part of the programs that we support as well, the mining industry to bring to the community surrounding them um, and really trying to promote that. But, I, but the next step, and that would be the amazing step would be really to start putting it into the curriculum as well, like Canada managed to do. And I yeah. think Canada is a great example for that. I mean, I do actually remember learning the periodic table when I was 12 or 13, but I don't know what happened after that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know, but I do remember learning that. And I was actually, I could remember, I could remember most of it. Um, but apart from that, I would have known it. These minerals come from, or metals come from the earth. We weren't told that. I'm sure we weren't. No, yeah, no, and that's, I think that, that is one of the, like, like you see, there's really a big whole gap that we have in so many people about the industry. And I think that's why it's such a, an important work that we need to do as an industry to educate the, the industry. Because I think people, for example, if you think about agriculture, people really think, oh, you know, this comes from agriculture. They really don't think about like they, they have their food and they know it comes from the fields or it comes from there. But if they have a phone, they don't really think about, oh, yeah, this comes from mines, like from because of the mindset or, you know, a computer. So I think they really need to do to we need to do a better job in communicating of the importance of the of the industry to to the society, really. Yeah. Um, and I suppose it goes on to the next next question. Um, I mean, what actions do you think 
are necessary to improve public understanding um, and obviously communication about the mining in mining sector to to the general public. Like like I mentioned before, I think there's needs to do definitely be and we just talked about it a lot about education to schools. That is definitely an important part than really mining um opening up to open days, like I mentioned before as well. Um trying to use other like what well, back to our technologies, right? And social medias to really communicate about the industry. Um and really ad addressing the misconceptions that we have, um, but also using really facts and science-based information for communicating it. And I mean, there's so many things that you can do. And one of the idea really with Women in Mining Central America and when I started it is being part of, being able to support the industry with these processes, um, being a partner for them to be able to communicate. I think it's interesting sometimes that when last time we were doing our work and I saw that um, when you look for a project or something happening, you find two informations, a lot of information from non, from anti-mining NGOs and then the information from the mining company. That's the two informations you find, a lot of bad and negative information and one or two pieces of what the mining company put out there. Um, so I think we need to have a stronger voice and support the industry and balancing that. And that it was really the idea when we started working with the advocacy side as well and women in mining, having, you know, that piece that adds to the weight of um, of being a voice for the industry, really. Obviously you're the founder and executive director of Women in Mining Central America. Um, I just wondered if you can just tell us a little bit about that and what you've, what you've done so far uh, since founding uh, the organization. Yeah, so um, we started, I mentioned that at the beginning of the podcast, we, I founded Women in Mining Central America almost uh, three years ago now. Uh, so we're 23 right now in March. And these three years have been definitely interesting. Um, I mentioned we work in the three pillars, education, advocacy, and um, the, the gender piece. In fact, right now in PDAC and PDAC here in, in Canada, we're going to have an event um, that works with two of the pillars. One is going to be um, really an advocacy event, just talking about the sector, about our region and the potential we have. We have really um, a great group of speakers that are coming up for the event and you know, just discussing how we can grow and visualize our region a bit more as well. So will be an amazing event. At the same time there, we will be having an award ceremony for our women of gold, we call them in Spanish, it's called Mujeres de Oro. And it has been a lot of work as well to um, to visualize female talent that we have in our, in our region. Because our region is small and doesn't have a long uh, history in mining and um, Maybe if you think about Latin America, you think about maybe maybe Mexico, and then you go to superpowers like Brazil, Peru, Chile, you know, in mining. Uh, sometimes we're not visualized of talents that we have. And I think that is part of the work that we're doing in women in mining as well, visualizing the amazing talent that we have. So we are uh, giving awards to nine women of our region, and they're going to join the group of 13 women that we already have of, of women of gold. 
And um, it's really women that have managed to grow a lot during their career and the time that they have worked in the industry. Uh, we have, for example, women that started um, at the beginning, you know, as as lawyers or really, you know, at the beginning, you know, you're an intern or whatever. And then they have become the president of huge mining companies um, in our region. So we have had the pleasure and honor to get to know them like you, like knowing their talent, get to get their stories out. Um, and that has been really nice to to do and um, be able to get inspired us too, but as well be able to inspire through their stories um, to other women that are, you know, maybe thinking of joining the industry already in, in the industry and maybe want to grow to have them as models like and say role models and say, oh, this is I still can I can get there as well. So it's a great opportunity to to give them an award during this event. I'm really happy to have them coming over to Canada and we will have that award ceremony during that event as well. So we have been quite active, I must say, um, doing different things, educating. We, the other group that we have been educating as well has been, we have been working with museums because I thought the other interesting part is not just how we as an industry um, can promote it, but how can we collaborate and partner with other organizations and having them as a voice for the industry as well. So we are working with, um, we started working with museums of our region to be able to train their um, their facilitators of the museums, it's mainly kids museums. And the idea is that they start building an area that has minerals or um, information about mining and that they can then serve as, as voice as well for, for educating about the importance of the industry. So that is a part of well the work we have been doing. We have quite a lot of initiatives. We started also podcasts. I've not been as regular as you because it requires quite a lot of effort um, and time, I must say. Um, but we have we started that as well. It's called Insight. Um, and we have been interviewing. It's been a bit more political, maybe, trying to understand how um, mining in our region works, what has been happening. But but I've not been as as dedicated as you with your weekly podcast. Um, but yeah, we started developing several different initiatives uh, to focus on the different three different pillars that we um, see as an importance for really the industry. But at the same time, it has been evolving through time to adapt to whatever we see that is needed. Um, and I one of the things, for example, we got recently out um, um, because of what happened in Panama, um, we developed a page where people can upload their curriculums um, so it can be sent to headhunters or um, companies like yours if they're looking for talent. And we have quite a lot of talent in our region as well. And that is available for, for, for the industry as well. So yeah. like, we want to always try to partner and support and find ways that we can add value. Certainly. Um, and concluding, um, obviously, the, the, we've got a variety of listeners uh, that listen to this podcast, generally from um, obviously within our mining industry, um, it, whether it's people from the mining companies, whether it's service providers uh, and maybe investors. What would you what would you say to them that I suppose help educate our mining industry? 
what is there any advice that you give them and and it doesn't mean educating people within our industry but also educating people outside our industry is there anyone is there any initiatives that you feel that people should be doing more of to promote the brand of mining within our industry um i mean definitely join our club <laughs> the kids mineralogist club uh join it is for free um and we you know we are working really along the world right now with the kids club so that is definitely an initiative that i want to put out there if you want to join or want to host us um we can definitely work on that um but i think there's some really there's such an importance of educating and it really starts at home i think it's the first people that we have uh, close to us and sometimes our even our own family don't understand why we do in our work um starting with our kids um, or you know our partner that sometimes might not work in the industry as well. So I think um, if each of us and I was I put a post about this not that long ago. If each of us really would take the time to educate, um, if we are a mining company, for example, if we would take the time to educate all our, for example, all the service providers that we have then the impact would be so huge because if those service providers are well-educated as well, they can be such a great advocate and ambassadors of the what the mining company is doing. And it can be all type of service providers from the cleaning company that provides it to the company that provides the fuel to the company. You know, there's so many companies, consulting companies like ours, um, environmental consultants, but also like if we all understand the work that we are doing um, and that the company we're providing the services for are doing, we can be great advocates for the industry. So I think we really have to think tons bigger than what we have been actually doing and not just thinking about the communities, but all the chain that we can use to help us promote. We don't have to do this work by ourselves. There's so many people that can't promote and support to be a voice for the industry. So I think we have to create that uh, and engage with the people to be able to to do that and educate. Yeah, and I think some of the bigger companies should encourage this, especially with the amount of people that they have working for them. Uh, uh, and not just big companies, it should be everyone promoting, telling people what, what they actually do. Um, but having the big companies promote and, and try and incentivize uh, some of their staff to promote to the younger generation, because I think the only way that we can improve the branding uh, and image of mining is through showing people, especially outside of the mining industry, what we do. Um, and if we want yeah. people to come into the industry, again, it's everyone taking a little bit of responsibility and teaching their children, which generally a lot of people within our mining industry does come through the families. If, if their parents worked in the mining industry, yeah. then they tend to come through the industry. But that's yeah. that's just make it a little bit more wider. Maybe speak to cousins yeah. um, and just uh, extended families, um, and then that will that can that will obviously it, it takes a long time to do this. But we need to all start, I suppose, taking a little bit more responsibility. But just showcasing everyone what what our industry is about, and it's essential. It's not as though it's a it's an industry that we that it, it's an industry that's actually needed. For, yeah. for us to evolve um so it, it is crucial and it is important um and i think we just need to 
each each individual and everyone listening to this just needs to just needs to maybe speak to even if it's once a month speak to someone outside of mining that's never heard of mining just tell them what you do and and the importance of it um and it's just i suppose it's like a networking effect um which will eventually help improve our image uh, the the industry's image yeah yeah i hope so i hope yeah. so definitely uh, an action to take yeah, certainly. And I really appreciate your time. Thank you for obviously sharing um, sharing your your story um, and your career. Um, and obviously telling us a little bit about your book um, and obviously uh, Women in Mining in Central um, America. How can our audience, if they want to reach out to you, how can they go about doing that? How can they buy a copy of your book, which I encourage everyone that has children, well, not even necessarily has children, but has children to go out and purchase uh uh, purchase a book and obviously get your children to read it again that's that's spreading spreading the word of uh, of our industry um, and also how can they join women in mining also thank you so um i'm available per per all well i'm in all the networks <laughs> online uh, but if you find me on linkedin i'm under ana gabriela juarez um women in mining has a page as well that is called women in mining is women wimcentralamerica.com so you can follow us as well in our webpage and um, like we're always looking for volunteers as well and people supporting and um, the what we're doing in women in mining Central America from around the world so if you want to join us there's a part there where you can also ask to join um, and then the book is available on Amazon worldwide in the United States. And I understand that in the UK, there's also other parts that we have been putting it out there. Um, so available in some libraries like Barts and Noble. Um, but uh, on Amazon, you will find it under Anna's Adventures at the Mine. Um, and everything that is, um, all the books that are purchased are, is given back to the Kids Mineralogist Club to keep educating kids about the importance of mining. And you can give it out as well and buy it for bringing it to school and, or bring it um, to the school library, for example. We have several people already have done that as well. So that is also a great example of how you can do some work as well as an outreach. Um, and yeah, I really thank you, Rob, for the opportunity for being on this amazing podcast. And thank you so much. No, and like I said, I appreciate your time, and and it's and it's good that you've you've shown some initiative and and written this book, and I think it's it's crucial and it's one step upon many steps to to help educate our our younger generation. So um, no, I really appreciate you in in writing that book. All the links to the book to Women in Mining um, and your contact details will be um, in the show notes accompanying this podcast, uh, so anyone can have easy access to. To, to buy the book, which I encourage you all to do, everyone that's listening, um, and obviously anyone in uh, maybe Central Central America that wants to join Women in Mining, they can do so as well. So um, good to have you on the podcast. Hopefully you can uh, you. come on later next year or even, oh, sorry, later this year or next year, and then give us an update on any uh, advancements on what, what you've been talking about, especially educating our industry. Thank you so much, Rob. No worries. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, please keep sharing these episodes far and wide. Share them with people in our industry, but also people outside of the industry. We do need to keep promoting, positive promoting of our industry. Um, and obviously, Anna has written a book, 
which I do encourage you to buy and give to your children, whether it's for, for, for a birthday or just a special gift, um, if they're good, um, just to obviously help promote our industry. So until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.